You're listening to Asbury University's Chapel Podcast, recorded live from our campus in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury's Chapel Service hosts speakers from around the world to inspire academic excellence and spiritual vitality. We hope you enjoy today's message. I can be found every once in a while playing intramural basketball with our students, and I was, couldn't help but wonder if I wear this medallion, if I might get some more favorable officiating during those games. <laughs> it is a significant honor to stand before you today. I don't think I can emphasize that enough, and if I do, I'll burst into tears. Uh, I have very close family and friends to this side, so I'm going to keep my attention straightforward. I'm also aware of the time. I heard a pastor say once that the mind can only retain what the bottom can endure. So please know that I am aware of an extended chapel and will honor that. You've heard it said earlier today that Asbury University has a story. I think that's true. I want to talk to you for a moment about our next chapter. Specifically, I want to speak to two independent but overlapping forces that have come to mark the time that we find ourselves in. Change and speed. Now, the former is hardly anything new. Every society experiences change, but it is the speed of that change that is new within this moment. And let me just quickly sketch why that is. Technology as Reverend Jatani mentioned, has infiltrated every dimension of our society. And as many of you know, technology grows exponentially. Hockey stick-shaped curve. Uh, that means it grows at a constant rate and not an additive rate. And moreover, information is embedded within our technology. And this has accelerated nearly every aspect of our humanity. So what does this acceleration look like? And what are its consequences? We're now told that 85% of the jobs that will exist in 2030 do not exist today in 2020. A stat I've shared often is that our graduates today, this May, on average are expected to hold 19 jobs between their graduation and when they retire. You've heard of the various forecasts about automation and artificial intelligence. Some are disruptive, some are apocalyptic in their character. Regardless, we know that technological advancement and its meteoric growth will be disruptive in ways that we cannot easily predict. For example, artificial intelligence can now make computational uh, or mathematical computations at the speed of light. That's over 180,000 miles a second. And not only can AI solve fast, it can learn fast. What took artificial intelligence about 10 days to learn two years ago now takes less than three minutes. Speed. We exist in what's been described as the information or digital age, where information is now ubiquitous. It's everywhere. It's freely available. It's freely accessible. And here's one of the relevant takeaways from this fact. It means that as an educational institution, we are no longer gatekeepers of information. And if we think that our job is simply to be purveyors of information, we're already irrelevant. 
We no longer exist in what is described as a manufacturing economy. Some economists say that we're in a service or a creativity economy. We're also in an attention economy where various outlets compete for our eyeballs and our time and our clicks. And who wins in that marketplace? Social scientists tell us that emotionally evocative information gets more internet clicks than calmer measured tones do. We know there's a decreasing interest in facts and a greater sensitivity to what is trending. One commentator put it like this, there's no longer right or wrong, there's only what is expeditious. Now, let me be very clear, I'm not standing on a platform today to lament some of these changes. I think there are some exciting things that can be harnessed within this, but I do think it is worthy of our time to recognize some of the paradoxes of an information age and age of speed. First is that we have more information than any other time available to us in human history, and yet we're less enlightened. We are more connected than we've ever been before, but there's less relationship. We have more choices than we've ever had before, but there's less freedom. Because after all, we're told that freedom is simply the expansion of our choices. There's more diversity than we've ever had before, and yet there's less open-mindedness because advanced algorithms shepherd us into the echo chambers that best scratch our ideological itch, whatever the nature of that itch may be. We have more input, but there's less retention. More experts, but less assurance and free access, though there is a greater cost. So as an educational institution existing in this moment, I think it's appropriate to ask, in an age of dynamic, rapid change, what does endure? What is timeless? What is perennial? What are the competencies necessary to thrive in such an environment like this? What does maturation and preparation look like in an age of speed? And what is the moral gravity that grounds and stabilizes us in the swirl of changing norms and values? Specifically, what does Asbury's mission, academic excellence, and spiritual vitality look like in this world? Let me speak to that a bit. Academic excellence today is rigorous, relevant 21st century education that uniquely equips our students with the requisite skills to navigate the complexities of an ever-changing, unpredictable global marketplace. I can't tell you, I can't read the tea leaves on what 2030 and 40 and 50 will be like. But we can define and identify the perennial skills that will outlive the dynamism of rapid technological innovation. Students today who are great storytellers, critical thinkers, problem solvers, who know how to collaborate with one another, who know how to communicate across lines, people with sound judgment and decision-making, people who are reflective, introspective, and contemplative, people of service, people of character, of virtue, people who have humility. These qualities outlast fads, and they outlive speed. They are an anchor of relevance in what is a sea of change. They endure. That's academic excellence, but what is spiritual vitality? We're an educational institution. We are chartered 
as an educational institution. But that education solely does not exist to prepare our students for an ever-changing workforce. In fact, a more classical understanding of education related to what we love, getting pupils to want what they ought, not just what they know and knowing the right things, but that they would actually love the right things. Why? Because lex orandi, lex credendi, lex vivendi, the ancient maxim, what we worship leads to what we believe, leads to what we live. You see, what we, what we worship, what we aim, what we orient our lives towards is intricately tied to what we become. Not just information, but knowledge. Not just knowledge, but wisdom. Not just wisdom, but agents. Not just agents, but members. Not just members, but glorifiers. Letting our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify the Father who is in heaven. Glorifiers cast light. What we become is tied to our cause, our convictions, our purpose, our service to others, our promotion and creation of all that is good and right and true, bringing truth to falsity, hope to the hopeless, joy to the desperate, justice to those who are wrong, health to those who are sick, provisions to those who are in need, encouragement to those who are downtrodden. We have a metaphor for this. It's light. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I've used a phrase many, many times, including from this pulpit, by the evangelist Gypsy Smith. He said there are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. And most people will never read the first four. Our cause is the fifth Gospel. This, this education is not just to know but it's to love. And can I say, it's to live. The formation of the full person, the complete all-around life. I've had the opportunity to travel with Dr. Troyer, and we speak to constituents and stakeholders, and I try to get across what is this formative process of covenant community that we talk about. And I have a few fancy words that I can use. They might show up in a brochure, but I'll tell you this. From this platform, the best description I can think of comes from G.K. Chesterton. He has a poem, it's called The Convert, and the final stanza says this, the sages, the smart people, they have their hundred maps to give that trace their crawling cosmos like a tree. They rattle out reason through many a sieve that stores the sand and lets the gold go free. And all these things are less than dust to me because my name is Lazarus and I live. The greatest educational outcome for our students in this community is not to say, I know. It's also to say, I have an aim. It's to say, I have a cause. It's to say, I have become. It's to say, I live. About a month ago, Asbury celebrated its 50th anniversary of our famous 1970 revival. To commemorate this time, we had lovely services of remembrance and appreciation, celebration of our spiritual heritage. We have a past worth celebrating here. But on this day, I want to aim 
our excitement toward our future. We'll still have majors, of course, and those majors will have rigor, but it's not just about the major. And we'll still have credentials, and those credentials will have rigor, but it's not simply about the credential. The point is, who does the student become? Becoming our skills, our competencies, our capacities, virtue, our sensibilities. I'm not in the business of predicting the future, as I said, but I do know that our students will be relevant to that time and that environment, whatever its character may be. I want to offer a more personal statement as the president. We've had a lot of difficult discussions within our community this week. Um, I've not had a lot of rest. (laughs) I've had a lot of contemplation. I've had a lot of tears, too. A lot of discussion, discussions I'm eager to have. And I've drank a lot of coffee. Nothing new there. Out of this difficulty and dialogue and discussion, uh, I see some subtle yet distinct questions emerge. What kind of president is Asbury going to have? What kind of school are we going to be? Who am I? Let me say to you definitively this morning that if at an inauguration the wider world turns its glance, albeit for a moment, towards us, I think this is what I would like to capture. I'm a follower of Christ. And to the utter best of my capacity, we will seek to be an intentional, moral, and intellectual community that honors that name. We are going to cultivate the mind in rigorous, God-honoring ways. There's a tremendous faculty right behind me who are committed to that very thing. We're going to love everyone the way Jesus loved others. We're going to aim and orient our lives towards all that is good and right and true because what we worship, we become. What are we worshiping? We think of that carefully. And as an intentional covenant community, we are going to present ourselves as a living sacrifice, singular, holy and pleasing unto God because this is our spiritual act of worship. Holiness unto the Lord. We will achieve academic excellence by teaching enduring qualities, those skills, competencies, capacities, and sensibilities that are perennial, ever necessary, and immune to the changes that I've described. And we will achieve spiritual vitality by holding to our timeless values, the traditions that hold and mold and guide and govern us to the fulfillment of human purpose. The modalities and the methods by which we fulfill our mission will change. Education that makes you relevant and ready for key spheres of society. The mission does not change. This is our future. This is the next chapter of Asbury's story. It is an exciting time to be an Asbarian. Thank you.